They flashed the graphic up yesterday from the middle of last year. Titans are seven and three. Jags are three and seven. And since then, Titans have now fallen into three and fourteen, and the Jags are thirteen and four. Not only the Titans part of this, but also the Jags part of this. How bad they were and how good they've been since then. And it's really not a fluke. No. Right? They're good. They're much better than the Titans. And the Titans, of course, are one of the worst teams in the NFL. So after you know many years of the Titans being solid to excellent, the Jags being mostly trash, and uh, the Titans are right now the absolute worst team in the AFC South, which I definitely did not anticipate this season. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. And welcome in, everybody. How are you on this Thanksgiving Eve, we will call it, because that's what it is. November 22nd, 2023, the year rapidly coming to a close, and this Titans season couldn't end fast enough. God, what dreck they have become. Got a lot to get to this hour of programming on the Stone On Air podcast. It's going to be mostly just me, and I'll get started next. by mostly me is like last week I loaded up with a bunch of audio and had some fun with that and uh, stuff like that occasionally have guests on this show if you happen to be new here or only drop in occasionally there are guests but not very often it's generally just a monologue driven commentary based show focusing on things around here in the city of Chattanooga but certainly branch out to other areas as well as today will be no exception from the normal formula. I will give you a three-segment show as per usual. I did just make a decision to change a little bit. I often, most of the time, do three pieces of audio to wrap up the open segment. I'm only going to do two, and then I'm going to save the worst idea for the final segment of the show, which will be my trip back to Rocky Top. Back to Neyland Stadium, back to a Vols game. Something that I swore up and down that I would never do again. And that'll be part of the um, of the worst idea and the conversation, the stories of the trip up. And this was a nice time. There's your quick spoiler alert, but uh, I'll lay that all out in the third and final segment of the show. And In the middle segment of the show, just random news notes, uh, mostly local, maybe a couple things, not so much. Anything that I don't touch on here in the open, I will get to in the middle segment. So that's what I meant by you're going to get uh, a lot of just me today. I hope that is fine with you. Uh, Last week was, did I do a Wednesday drop last week? I can't remember. Anyway, I am today, and I will also be doing a Wednesday drop, as they say, next week, the final show of November, because Kevin Kenny is coming to the Barrel House Ballroom, which I'll talk more about later on in the show next Wednesday, and I want to go to that show. So I will talk uh, uh, more about that in the second segment of today's show. And then I think there'll be Wednesday drops in December, 
And then that's pretty much, I think we're just going to start from now on, that this will now be a midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga, as I often say, uh, as I intended to do that anyway going into 2024. I think I'll just get a head start on it and go ahead and start doing that now as I will have some different programming for you next month. And it's even actually kind of changed of what I might or might not do next month. And it's going to end up being just probably as much work as doing regular shows. The whole goal was to take some time off. And the more some things have kind of come to my attention, to fruition, to possibilities... The, my mind has started to wander into doing some different things. And one of those things I'll just tell you really quick is in the, I, I mentioned last week, I started talking about, and I don't think I ever think I ever finished my statement. My, my main point was that um, Clint Powell, who does local shows here uh, during the break podcast, he does so many and he's so um, prolific in what he does and my point was that once upon a time, I would have been threatened by that. I would have thought, ah, oh, he's getting, Clinton's taking over the space. No, he's not. No, he's not at all. Some people who listen to Clint's show also listen to this. But mostly, that's not the case. We don't even share much of an audience. And even if we do, which I would love it if we did, it doesn't matter. That was my point from last week. And while making that point, I was talking about how this show has remained stable or has grown over the last few years, and that has been bringing me a lot of motivation and just simply happiness that finally after what will now be eight years going into January, I'm finally seeing some steady growth. And after I mentioned that, I don't think there's any correlation to this whatsoever. Could be, but I don't think so. Within a couple of days of that, In a 48-hour stretch, I got two texts from two people who I talk to with some regularity, but not like consistently, with sponsorship inquiries, right? That doesn't usually happen. Your Little League team doesn't usually have somebody coming to you saying, hey, I want to sponsor your team. You got to go find that sponsorship. I don't know why that's an example I just thought of, but Whatever it is, your podcast generally doesn't have people coming to you saying, I want to sponsor it. Uh, Clint does this a lot, and Jeff Stiles, longtime talk guy here in town and often does podcasts with Clint and did his own. I did it with him for a while. He would always say, if you'd like to sponsor the show, uh, get a hold of us. And I'd be thinking I might have said it out loud too. Jeff, no one's going to get a hold of you and say, here's some money, dude. It doesn't work that way. Well, generally it doesn't. And all of a sudden, over the course of 48 hours, I had two people who were like, hit me up, I'll spend, and let's do some, let's do some shows. And so it kind of got me thinking, uh, I am a bit of an idea guy, usually they're not all that great ideas, but I am constantly dreaming and thinking of different kinds of ideas. And I think I might be able to take the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast in 2024 to the actual for-profit venture maybe possibly and you'll hear some of that in December if things go the way that I'm hoping that they do over the next couple of weeks and I'll just leave it at that for right now so thank you for your your loyalty and your listenership because without it then none of this would be uh, possible on to my list here as I uh, roll through the open uh, I hope you we need the rain types are happy Holy jeez, I knew it was going to rain on Tuesday, 
and into Wednesday, or was it Monday into Tuesday? Now I'm all turned around. Whatever day it was this week, the just washout we got. Uh, now, while that does help the rivers and the you know the 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 bodies of water, that doesn't necessarily help like your lawn or just the general areas of drought. Not having any rain for a month and a half, and then getting you know two months worth of rain in one day, doesn't really help. Um, but it is better than nothing, and um, it is soaking ass wet here. And I thought I had my chimney fixed and not leaking anymore well i found out over the course of the last day and a half that that's not the case so i'll have to do something about that sooner than later if you were going to go to bonnaroo they are already to tier three pricing you know the supposed we haven't raised prices in a decade bonnaroo they've already just marched through tier one and tier two so if you're gonna go you better go ahead and buy so with it being Thanksgiving, it is a, a weekend of sorts for most uh, everybody, and it's not really a weekend for me, but I, I really like Thanksgiving. It's a really easy holiday for me. We don't do it uh, as a family, real traditionally. Uh, I mean, we do the food and see each other for a few minutes, but that's about it. But Hell, I go to my mom's for dinner almost once a week, you know, two, three times a month. So this is just the time we go to dinner, except it's on Thursday instead of like on a Sunday. So it gives me a lot of time to play some catch up. And uh, I always I do enjoy this week. Travel is expected to be higher than it's been in some time. They're expecting fifty five and a half million on the roads and through the air this week. Uh, that's up about a million and a half or so from last year. And here locally, as traffic is just a disaster with all the road work, which I'll spend a few more uh, minutes on this in the second segment of the show, they have suspended, uh, likely uh, by the time you're hearing this, most road work in town. To help with the surge of traffic through Chattanooga over the holiday weekend, state highway crews will suspend major road construction projects starting at noon Today, that's Wednesday, so if you're listening to it first thing in the morning like normal, that'll be uh, today at noon, and it'll continue until Monday at 6.30, meaning continue not happening. That doesn't mean it's not still a mess, but that at least will make travel a little bit easier around here. And how about this? As I've mentioned, and I don't, you don't need me to tell you, gas plummeting prices around here in Chattanooga were $0.40 cents cheaper a gallon now than we were a year ago we're 56 cents below the national average and we're nine cents below the statewide average here in tennessee so that is a good thing also your turkey prices are back to where they were at 2020 levels at a buck 25 uh, a pound down from a dollar 85 last year and then in between that it was up in 21 as well so there you go some inflation good news and just out of curiosity if you were wondering what is and isn't open on thanksgiving walmart closed target closed costco cvs is closed publix aldi whole foods trader joe's winn dixie every single one of those so basically every local grocery store i don't see food city on this list Uh, So I'm not sure about them. And then Walgreens 24-hour locations, most all of them will remain open. My first question is, why is Walgreens open for 24 hours ever? The pandemic made many 
uh, industries, restaurants, uh, other places of business realized that staying open for 24 hours was a dumb idea. Like, Steak and Shake is no longer 24 hours. I mean, maybe there are still some that exist, but not the ones here in town. They realized, uh, why are we selling, quote-unquote, steak burgers at 4 in the morning? That's a dumb idea. It's not good for business. Why is Walgreens open 24 hours a day? Well, if you need them, they're open on on Thanksgiving. I had something here on the passing of Rosalind Carter, Jimmy's uh, wife. She passed away the other day. She was 96. He is 99, still in hospice, so he will pass soon as well. I'll save all that in my story of when I met the Carters, uh, which I've told uh, somewhere at some point once upon a time, but it's been a very long time. I'll save that for when we do, unfortunately, inevitably lose Jimmy Carter. This real quick, uh, before I get to something on Arlo Guthrie, uh, since it is Thanksgiving and part of the the audio, I think it's going to be the... Of course, I don't know what I've done with it. The uh, the coolest thing today. First here, please regulate AI. Artists push for U.S. copyright reforms, but tech industry says not so fast. And after playing with AI, I now understand it more, and I'm even more terrified by a lot of it. Uh, one podcaster says, please regulate AI. I'm scared. I have a feeling that podcaster has nothing to worry about, but... The, the threat is real. Technology companies, by contrast, are largely happy with the status quo that has enabled them to gobble up published works to make their AI systems better at mimicking what humans do. So think about this. In the last, like, five years, maybe longer, ten years, major companies, production companies, have been buying up the catalogs of Bob Dylan, Neil Young, um, who else? However many else. There's so many others. There's only two that pop into my head quickly. And it was for so much money. And often the question was, what in the hell are they buying this stuff for, for this amount of money? Like $400 million for this. What are you going to do with the countless throwaway trash songs written by Bob Dylan and Neil Young? I love them both, but they got a lot of garbage out there. And, well, here's one of the reasons. Because it stockpiles their ammunition for their AI generation generating content and the way they're going to use this to mimic. I, I, I wish I could explain it better. I, I wish I could. All I know is now that makes a little bit more sense. This coming from the AP uh, some more. It says the nation's top copyright official hasn't taken sides yet. She told the AP she's listening to everyone at her as her office weighs whether copyright reforms are needed for a new era of generative AI tools that can spit out compelling imagery, music, video, and passages of text. This I made a note to myself. I'll get to it after I read it. The question that's fielded thousands of comments from creative professions is what to do about copyrighted human works that are being pulled from the internet and other sources and ingested to train AI systems, often without permission or compensation. And I got to thinking about this the other day. A guy who does my voice work for this podcast, his name is David McJunkin. He goes by Dylan. We called him Dylan.Dylan. Long story, boring story. I won't tell you why we called him that. But I tried to get a hold of Dylan recently because I wanted to do a fresh, a refresh on all my imaging, as it's called. The, now you, hey, you're listening to that, that voice guy. Well, he didn't respond. He works for Casey One of Sucks again these days. I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Not the point. So then I thought, well, maybe I can AI generate these, this voice. Right, like just use some generic stuff. 
of 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 that's available through the apps and these and these websites and these companies, these AI companies, and I could get you know all brand new uh, imaging. And then I thought after I read this, I could just take Dylan's voice, which I have probably fifteen to twenty minutes of just Dylan talking, and plug it in and have new imaging made by Dylan and not pay him for it. That's just the perfect small example of what this article is all about. I didn't even think about that, and I certainly could do it. I don't think I will, but I could. The music industry industry is also threatened, said Nashville-based country songwriter Mark Beeson, who's penned tunes for Carrie Underwood and Garth Brooks. He says that AI has the potential to do good, but in, quote, in some ways, it's like a gun in the wrong hands with no parameters in place for its use. It could do irreparable damage to one of the last true American art forms. And that is wild because I didn't even that's easy. That's simple. That's day one stuff. And I wasn't even thinking about it. Imagine all the things that are happening that'll take place over the next five, 10, 20 years that we're not even thinking about. Because of this technology. It's pretty fascinatingly fun and neat and terrifying all at the same time. And actually, I think I'm going to blow off one of the last two pieces of audio I had for you. And just do the coolest thing. Because Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant. uh, Maybe it's working for KZ106 for all those years. But also loving old 60s folk music. I love Alice's Restaurant, and I listen to it multiple times every time at Christmas. And I don't have at Christmas at Thanksgiving, and I don't have enough time to explain it to you if you don't know what it is. But because of the coolest thing, I'll give you a quick rundown, um, a little bit more than than uh, what you may or may not already know. Um, I'm just going to assume you know the song I'm talking about, and that's as far as the backstory I can give you there. This is based on true events with Arlo Guthrie and his buddy Rick Robbins hanging out at Allison and Ray Brock's house, which was a church, a former church. She was a librarian, and he taught carpentry at a private co-ed boarding school that the two kids, Arlo and Rick, went to. Uh, Drawn to the Brock's laissez-faire lifestyle, they spent much of their free time at their home, the former church. Fittingly, it was a Thanksgiving feast prepared by Alice that started the events memorialized in Guthrie's song, a work that encapsulates a young generation's disaffection with the bureaucratic stupidity resonated as an anti-war anthem and still captivates audiences with its simple melody, gentle narrative, and infectious chorus. Called officially Alice's Restaurant Massacre, I saw something on TikTok when I was trying to find something to use, and it was some Gen Z or like, have you ever heard of Alice's Restaurant Massacre? It's not Massacre, it's Massacre, as in a series of absurd events. Alice's Restaurant was the first aired on 1967 on radio's WBAI, and by May, the nonprofit radio station was receiving so many requests to play Alice's Restaurant, it became a fundraising gimmick. In October of 67, the album was released, named Alice's Restaurant. 18 minutes and 20 seconds took up the whole A side of the record. He says Arlo in 2009, performing it is like being in the same half-hour Groundhog Day movie every every night of your life. More recently, he pledged to limit performing Alice to the decade anniversaries. 
Asked about that now, Guthrie rebels a bit against his own authority. Quote, I'm getting to the age when I can go by my instincts rather than follow my own guidelines. So for now, I just do whatever I want. Rules are meant to be broken, I guess. And of course, the song is not about a restaurant. It's about avoiding the draft. It's uh, it's a fabulous piece of folk music art. And this was the coolest thing that I could find on TikTok. It's very fast. Listen to it real closely. I might even play it twice real quick. It's today's coolest thing. There's nothing to eat. Do you want to go out? I mean, I guess. Where? I don't know. I was thinking Alice's restaurant. I don't know. I mean, what can you get there? So you're not going to believe it. You can get All right, so I'll pause it real quick. So it's, it's a great idea, a not very well-executed TikTok but hey, there's nothing to eat here. I'll sing about going to Alice's restaurant. Yeah, but hey, what can you get there? Hey, you're not gonna believe this. There's nothing to eat. Do you want to go out? I mean, I guess. Where? I don't know. I was thinking Alice's restaurant. I don't know. I mean, what can you get there? So you're not gonna believe. You can get anything you want at Alice's restaurant. So if you're not familiar with Alice's restaurant, the story, the lyrics, everything about it. As I did such a brief discussion on there, I implore you to find out for yourself because it's wonderful. All the things I didn't get to, which I will not be able to fit into the next segment, I will get to next. Now more Stone on Air. It's about to get all stupid up in here. Stoneonair.com. Like, how did I only realize this year that Arlo Guthrie's been saying defund the police since 1967? In the song, he gets in trouble for littering in this small town, and it only becomes a big legal thing because a bunch of bored country cops want an excuse to use all the equipment that they've never gotten a chance to play with before. This, of course, includes the 27 8 by 10 color glossy pictures with the circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one explaining what each one was to be used as evidence against him. This tendency to find an excuse to use equipment is still happening. Today, it's Humvees and machine guns. Tomorrow, it will be both those things plus facial recognition and predictive policing algorithms. All I'm saying is that if you give some people a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. I mean, it's an interesting thought. <laughs> Never really thought of it that way. This has nothing to do with Arlo Guthrie, Thanksgiving, or... Alice's Restaurant, but it is good, well, good nothing, amazingly awesome folk music from the late 1980s from Kevin Kenny, the lead singer and founder and main lyricist and songwriter of Driving and Crying, who will be at the Barrel House Ballroom next Wednesday. This song is called McDougal Blues. I've got this record in a frame signed by Kevin Kenny. I think it's his, I believe it's his very first solo record. I, I'd have to double check. I'm, I'm almost positive of that. And when I went to New York last year, in August, so a little over a year ago, did so many cool things. Such a wonderful time. One of my favorite trips, not one of, my favorite trip I've ever taken. Saw so much. And I'm walking around in Gren- Greenwich Village near Soho, and I, I can tell I'm in a place that's somewhat important. Like, I, I, I recognize everything I see. I just ate at Joe's Pizza, for crying out loud. So there was, 
um, there was a lot of familiarity to an area that I've never been. And I hadn't thought about that song, McDougal Blues, in a long, long time. Sorry, this has nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to tell it real quick. And I'm walking down the street with my friend Brad Steiner, and I look up and I see McDougal Street. And of all the things that I was planning on doing and seeing and wanting to do, or at least on a, on a, on a want list, I forgot all about the song McDougal Blues. And I, I, at the time, I didn't even realize it was necessarily in New York City. But I knew based on the lyrics that it was a place where folk singers and poets went to try to become famous, uh, to see maybe see Bob Dylan or Joni Mitchell. Those are in the lyrics of the song. Um, I'll just read them to you here real quick. It says, okay, he go, I go to the Folk City to try to get a gig. They tell me to come back on Monday and audition like everybody else. This is not what I thought it was going to be like. I thought I'd see a million Dylans and a Joni Mitchell or two, or maybe even Carol King on McDougal, the McDougal Blues. And so at that moment, that was not on the itinerary, if you will. We were doing all kinds of things. And my friend Brad doesn't know or care anything about this song or this street. And at that moment, I'm trying to remember, why do I, what other than I know it's the Kevin Kinney song, what is it that's so well known about McDougal Avenue, McDougal Street? And once I got home, I was like, damn it, I was standing right there at the sign. I didn't even get a picture. What's the matter with me? And it was because I was so overwhelmed with how much New York City had to offer. So... I am very, very much looking forward to seeing Kevin Kenny play a seated show, just him and an acoustic guitar. And if you love that kind of thing, if you love the Arlo Guthrie's of the world, if you love a great story and a great song to go along with it, of the last 35 years, there are very few that do it better than Kevin Kenny. I'm not I'm not talking about in comparison to Dylan and Guthrie and all the ones that came from that era. I'm talking about of the last generation and a half or two full generations. So Barrel House Ballroom next Wednesday is where you will find me. All right, so let's do this as I transition into the things that I did not get to in the open. And uh, Chattanooga needs a bypass badly. This is an op-ed to the Chattanoogan.com, and I've never really thought about that and exactly how it would work says, drivers have tolerated all kinds of hazards on I-24 over the last few months. It takes hours to clear the wrecks and traffic backs up to the ridge cut or I-59. Actually, it backs up without an accident because e-commerce is so huge, we have volume issues, as we all know. Traffic on 153 and 58 is unbearable. Enough said. Two things. Build the bypass around Chattanooga. Connect 27 to Highway 58 and I-75. The plans for both these projects are on someone's desk at TDOT, hidden under a pile of useless ideas submitted by one of the three stooges on how to fix the I-24 and I-75 malfunction junction. Now, the quick thing I will say about that, all the hate for the I-24, I-75 state line split that is seemingly endless a lot of that hate is is very misguided. Much of that work is being done way better than most people realize. And when it's done, it will be it'll be really re- a really good thing for this city and the thoroughfare. But I mean, just look at the terrain that we have to deal with here in this city. It's it's not easy to do. And I live right there. I drive through it every day. I think they actually do a 
pretty good job um, overall, but it's no doubt an absolute mess. One response says, once upon a time in another century, a guitar-picking visionary named Dalton Roberts, our former mayor, planned a bypass. Afraid that Chattanooga would dry up and blow away if passing motorists didn't stop here for fuel and cigarettes, those who saw Chattanooga as nothing more than a filling station shot down this idea. Not only do we badly need a bypass, we also badly need some more visionaries. And I believe Dalton Roberts was the mayor, uh, maybe the 80s, maybe the 80s, it could have been into the 90s. My last recollection is John Kinsey at the end of the century. But whenever exactly it was, I could see the argument for not having a bypass at that time. And probably most people would have agreed with that. Now, I don't know if it's because of commerce and buying cigarettes and whatever this flippant uh, response to the op-ed was. I'm not sure about that. But um, certainly could be used right about now. That is for sure. Chattanooga Airport to study leakage to other cities. The airport plans to fund a study that will estimate how many travelers from the area are going to other cities to fly with the hope of using the data to land more air service. Uh, Cameron, who is the spokesperson for the Chattanooga Airport, uh, Chief Chief Executive April Cameron, said that a consultant, Valair, will conduct the study for $15,000. Hey, chickadee. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be disrespectful. Miss April Cameron, I can give you a, a little bit of consulting here. It's because it costs so much more to fly out of Chattanooga and there are no direct flights. Now, I don't travel often, and when I do, cost is not necessarily part of my planning. I will not drive to Atlanta or Nashville to fly, period, ever. End of story. I'm going to talk about in the third segment about never say never, because that's a foolish thing to do. Um, I'm pretty close to saying I'm never going to do it. Now, I'm traveling at the end of December, and I didn't make those plans, and I might have to fly out of another city. But if I am making the plans myself, I will be flying out of Chattanooga because it's so much easier to do. And just as of the last few days, the airport has landed direct flights to Vegas. Starting May 6th of next year, for some reason, there's a special introductory one-way fare for 79 bucks for limited time. So if you want a one-way ticket to paradise, or so how many people act like Vegas is, then you can do that. The airport plans to offer $1.2 million in federal and local incentive money for marketing and revenue guarantees to land Denver flights. That's the next thing that's been talked about a lot recently, but that has not come uh, to fruition yet. I would love that. I want to go to Vegas just to see what the fuss is about, but this is what I tell anybody who, all my gambling friends, which is basically all of them, who tell me you got to go to Vegas. This is what I say, and I, I think I'll say it till the day I die, and I'll probably never go to Vegas. If I'm going that far west, again, also remembering that I, with the comment I just made, that I don't travel by air Very often, at the very most, very most once a year, and it's not even on average once a year. If I'm going that far west, I'm not stopping in Vegas. I'm just not. There's too many other things to do. Um, But I would take a quick weekend to Denver without even thinking twice about it. 
And now that weed is essentially legal everywhere, especially in the state of Tennessee, maybe I wouldn't even take that trip to Denver. Since I've been there twice, I would go somewhere else. But more direct flights would be great, but you got to have people using the airport to do that. And that's the reason I love using it, because seemingly hardly anybody else does. Speaking of things that nobody uses, missing the bus is the headline from the TFP. Greyhound Lines, which operates the largest intercity bus service in the country, has relocated its local boarding hub out of Chattanooga just last week to Wildwood, Georgia, after Carta decided to sell the downtown transit building that Greyhound had been using to make way for a new homeless shelter. Now, the homeless shelter part is a whole nother angle to take uh, that I might do sooner than later, but not today. Greyhound, which has provided bus service across the country since it's founded in was founded in 1914, no longer has a stop in Chattanooga for the first time in modern history. You can still use groom transportation to get to air uh, to uh, airports in Atlanta and Nashville and the uh, mega bus that used to come through here actually during uh, the pandemic has stopped having routes here in Chattanooga as well. So traveling via bus, which I've never done and I've only heard terrible stories about, is not a thing uh, right now. And I, I, that's probably a big deal to a lot of people for affordable transportation. Um, but yeah, the, the horror stories I've heard about traveling by Greyhound, that is not a resource that I will need. Here we go from also the TFP. Lookout Stadium guaranteed price nears. Looking for the $79.5 million that they want to go to the bond market for by the year's end. They're trying to get an actual price on what this stadium is going to cost. This disaster continues. It's now been 12 13, 14 months since this uh, approval before Weston Want became the mayor of Hamilton County of all the of the the sports authority and the bonds and the funding for the redevelopment at with the pillar being the lookout stadium. It's a long time and we're still not even to securing in the bond market. In Knoxville, for reference, they had million put aside three years ago with a 20% contingency for overruns. That was three years ago. And it ended up costing, I don't know if this is the final tag, but it got up to $114 million. Just shy of $80 million ain't building you a a professional baseball stadium on the south side. Not one that we want and not one that we're going to be proud of, especially on a site that is basically toxic, uh, literally, like the soil, the grounds. It's uh, not a waste dump, but it's essentially the same kind of thing. This is a problem. I still am looking forward to this being a reality, but this is not going well at all. Hopefully we'll have a real price tag soon enough, and it's going to be north of $100 There's no way that it won't be. Uh, Talking a little bit about the uh, soccer wars, I spent a whole segment on the move to MLS Next Pro and the CFC last week. Well, now 
Speaking of huge problems, this coming from some Arkansas uh, media uh, outlet, a trademark judge has ruled in favor of Arkansas State University in a copyright infringement case against the Chattanooga Red Wolves Soccer Club over the use of the Red Wolves name and logo. ASU previously issued a cease and desist order to the Chattanooga Red Wolves, which I'm guessing the Red Wolves just ignored and would hope would go away. Well, now it hasn't gone away, and it's been ruled in the favor of the university. The trademark trial and appeal board ruling deemed that the Chattanooga Red Wolves logo was too similar to Arkansas State's. Now, when I have done some searches for Red Wolves uh, uh, online Googling, primarily to get the correct Twitter accounts or Instagram accounts, the correct tags and the correct uh, handles, maybe even on Facebook as well, I would regularly find Arkansas State. And I didn't think anything of it because there's, I mean, (laughs) countless teams that have the same damn logos all over the country and in college and in pro sports. I mean, the Green Bay Packers G is the same as the Georgia Bulldogs G, except one's green and one's red. There's two Bulldogs in the SEC. There's two Tigers in the SEC. I mean, we can do this all day long. Well, I I mean, I don't know what the latest latest is, but it's sounding like there's a possibility that the Red Wolves might have to completely rebrand. I I actually, truly, honestly hope it doesn't come to that because I believe I have no sources or you know able to cite this anywhere i believe that financially they're not doing as well as they might lead people to believe that they are i mean i made the jokes with the ai stuff with tim kelly that the dirt parking lot and the no shade and shelter stadium that's basically just a bunch of bleachers i mean it's a fun enough time with good weather and and the field is nice and the scoreboard is gorgeous and uh, the executive club is awesome and the luxury boxes are great not most people don't have access to that, but it's fine enough when all variables work in your favor. But as soon as the variables stop working in your favor, then the place sucks. And I'm wondering if a lot of this work to the stadium and to the to the just throwing down some damn asphalt in the parking lot is because of lack of funds. And if they're going to have to rebrand with a new name, new logo and everything, I mean, that could be it. This guy, Bob Marr, whatever, he's got an Italian last name, whatever his last name is. He ain't a local dude. He's just a, a, re, a real estate developer. At some point, he's going to say, all right, enough's enough of trying to to fund something that is just just consuming cash. And this is the kind of stadium that you could just get rid of in, by the end of the day. So I'm not hoping for that. It's an East Ridge property. It's an East Ridge thing. And I want them to do well, but I don't feel all that good about it. Let's see. Wrapping up the segment here shortly. uh, The Mox football, they are in the playoffs. They made it as an at-large team. I think that's more of an indictment on how bad the FCS level of football is rather than an indication of how good Mox football is. They'll be on the road, and I would guess that no matter what happens throughout the tournament, which I don't think they'll get out of the opening round, but I don't think they would have a possibility of having any any home games. They'll be at Austin P to open up the playoffs. I believe it's this weekend, so good for the mocks. I'm happy about that. Baylor and Macaulay, if you didn't see this, for the first time, will be, I think it's first time, will be playing 
for the state championship, the Blue Cross Blue Shield Bowl, at Finley Stadium next week. And that is really, really cool and a huge boon for the stadium and their continued revenue and economic success operating in the black now for quite some time after a decade and a half to maybe two full decades of bleeding red ink. So that is a wonderful thing, and I would love to go to that. It's on a Thursday night. If anybody's got any tickets, why don't you let a brother know? Um, I know they don't cost that much, but you know how I am on stuff like that. And I guess that'll just have to be it for now. Um, Real quick, though, the Snoop Dogg thing. Surely you saw this. Turns out to be maybe the word brilliant is the way to to describe it. This advertising campaign for the Solo Stove. If you're not familiar with the Solo Stove, I don't have time to tell you what it is. But it's pretty popular. And he, uh, he, they, whoever, the campaign released this picture of Snoop talking about how he was giving up smoke. Should have known. I mean, just everybody should have known this from the jump. And it turned into this viral thing. Oh, my God, Snoop's, Snoop's quitting smoking weed. Well, the first guess, and I did think of this, was, okay, he's he's going to have some kind of campaign for edibles because that's the most popular thing. Well, it's at least very popular anyway. I don't know if it's the most. I love edibles. That's my new, that's my new jam, bro. Um, but it wasn't that. It was it was these solo stoves that their claim to fame is they're maybe not smokeless, but so close to it they don't they don't give off any smoke. So you can or not much. So you can put them close to things and take them around. They're very expensive. Uh, kind of a, a rich guy, gals kind of toy. Middle class income types aren't going to have this thing. At least not at their initial prices. Maybe they've come down now. But that's what that was all about. Snoop Dogg and Solo Stove and advertising, you know, creativity gets us again. Of course, Snoop Dogg isn't going to quit smoking weed after a life of doing it. And we and shame on all of us for not immediately saying, this ain't real. Because um, I almost fell for it slightly, too. As I go out with McDougal Blues in 1969, Bob Dylan lived on a McDougal Street, as did Jack Kerouac, who wrote the poem, the McDougal Street Blues, the, the Café Wa, the Players Theater are all legendary for poets, writers, and folk singers. And it, damn it, man, I was sitting right there. I didn't even take a stroll down the street. The final lyrics as uh, from Kevin Kenny's song, he goes back to, oh, I'm just paraphrasing it a little bit here. He goes back to home to Omaha, and he uh, exaggerates his time on McDougal. He said, I told him I met Bob Dylan. Yeah, I was hanging around with Joni Mitchell. Yeah, Carol King, we did lunch on McDougal, the McDougal Blues. You really ought to go there. Maybe you'll meet William Burroughs or Patti Smith at the Fish Witch the McDougal Blues. Kevin Kenny solo at the Barrelhouse Ballroom on the 29th. Against my better judgment, I made a last-second trip to Rocky Top, to Knoxville, to Neyland Stadium. How did it go? Did I hate it? Did I love it? Was it awesome? Was it terrible? Stories without incrimination coming up next. I told him that I met Bob Dylan. Yeah, I was thinking around Joni Mitchell. Yeah, Carol King, we did lunch on McDougal. 
ought to go there. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At StoneOnAir.com. Jalen Wright, big opening off the right side. Off to the races and maybe gone. Jalen Wright, one snap, touchdown, Tennessee. Three hours later. Well, Georgia's still perfect. 11-0, 8-0 as they run the table in the regular season in conference play. Ain't been the best year so far. Yeah, it ain't been the best years for Tennessee Vols football. This is Broken Hearts and Auto Parts from Kevin Kenny. Ain't been the best of times for Tennessee Titans fans either, so. I feel your pain. It's actually worse. Come on over, though. It's all good over in Braves country. I know things didn't go well for us at the end of this year, but it's all good over here in Braves land. I mean, if you're feeling down and out, this song will help you feel even worse, just in case you were wondering. Let's listen. It's been breaking hearts and all the parts and everything between. I was on the moon and in the suit and on the silver screen. Rocking hot days to live inside my dreams. It's been broken hearts. Yeah, if you're feeling blue, don't listen to this song. So, um, yeah, it, uh, spoiler alert, I had a great weekend. I had a great Saturday. Um, last second. You know, you got some friends, and I'm going more to my youth, so maybe think more when you were younger, but it can certainly be very, very true now, presently, in, in, in any time of your life. But you know, you got friends that you can count on, that you can absolutely trust in every setting. And then there's some that are a little wishy-washy, and then there are some that are very wishy-washy, and then there are some that if alcohol's involved, then all bets are off, right? I mean, I think we all got these people in our lives. And then you you make your decisions how you spend time with the people in your life accordingly to the information that you have. And last year I went to, not last year, two years ago, I went to a game with people who I generally always trust and do things, you know, quote unquote, right when it comes to like a game day situation. I'll come back to that in a minute. But there's a friend of mine, Matt Brock, lead attorney at Best and Brock, is um, his whole family is wonderful people, and they, our families go back a long ways. His brother Lee, his sister Macy, I mean, his, his father Ken, Linda, Brock Holmes, you're probably familiar with, familiar with the names. And he hit me up late Thursday night. I think it was, yeah, Thursday night, and said, hey, I got an extra for Georgia. You want to go? And my first thought was, no, I don't want to go. Of course I don't want to go to Neyland Stadium. I've already, I've, I've gone over this. But, there's always a but, or there's often a but anyway. Matt is the kind of guy that, at least in our relationship, I don't know about everybody else's, I don't know what the guy's doing right now, I don't know what all these, everybody does in their you know daily lives, but in our relationship, if I am invited to anything, it is in my best interest 
to take him up on that invitation because it is always going to go well, or at least the times that it goes well versus the times that it doesn't, it's so heavily on the side of things will go well that I don't even remember the times that they didn't. I'm sure there was something we've done in our lives of 25 years of knowing each other that something didn't go well. But these days, in the current environment of our lives, it's not a good idea to turn down an invitation from him. So it didn't take me very long to say, you know what? Sure, let's do it. But it got me thinking to the last time that I came down or went up, I should say, for a game. It was right after the Braves won the World Series, and I was in a big, you know, just super high. And other friends of mine, longer-time friends of mine, invited me to go to the Georgia-Tennessee game. And I was in such a great mood because of the of where my sports life was. I said, what? Why not? Let's do it, man. And it was not a good time. I went ahead and pulled... Oops, I got to turn that off there. Sorry. I pulled some audio from the show right at two years ago. This is cut up a little bit, so it's not all in sync together. But this was going to be the worst idea. I'll go ahead and play it for you now. This was the show I did the week after I last went to Neyland Stadium and Knoxville in game day for a Vols game. And it just so happened it was also the Georgia-Tennessee game. We got heaters, we got a, a fire pit, we've got all the food in the world, we've got all the drink in the world, we've got TVs, we've got cornhole, we got footballs to throw around. They're all decked out in their orange, man. It was it was fine. Except, you know, at times it it kind of wasn't, uh, as the day went along. And and I, I had a feeling by the time I walked into Neyland Stadium, I was gonna be absolutely just furious with myself for making this decision. The minute I walked into that building, 30 minutes before kick, I wanted to walk right back out and leave. I'm going to have fun today, and I'm going to enjoy myself, but deep down, it's like, F this place. F this place. And I will never step foot in that damn place again. And so I call that the worst idea, because never say never. I had an okay time. I was with people I trusted. We did things well. We had a big tailgate. We had a big day. But that was back in my heavy drinking days, and everybody was drinking heavy, and there was so much about it that I just hated. I, it, just, it just didn't work for me. And so I said, never again. We had, quote-unquote, good seats. It was a 40-seat row and if you've been to Neyland or any old 85 75 100 year old college football stadium they're all they're a lot alike in the the bench seating and these tiny little aisles that were originally you know designed and some of the 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 concourse areas are like barely 10 feet high ceilings are designed for people rarely over six feet tall it's awful and I had seat 20 in the middle of a 40 seat row quote unquote good seats yeah no I don't think so bro not at all when I left once we got up there and I'm with my friends they're drunker than me and this is two years ago I'm talking about when I got to that seat as soon as I decided to leave that seat which was pretty damn soon I knew had no intentions on coming back 
I'm I'm getting texts. I'm getting calls. Where are you, man? Where, where, what's going on? Hey, man, what are you doing, man? Enough. Leave me alone. I ended up walking around Knoxville just killing time until everybody got, got back to the car. It was terrible. These are some of my best friends in the world. I'm not hating on them. It's just the, the situation didn't work. And so on this go-around, I'm thinking about that. I mean, it's a little bit of a, you know, I hate to loosely throw around PTSD in a situation like this, but it was a little bit. Like, I remember how bad that was. I don't know that I want to be a part of this again. But in this situation, again, there were enough variables that were better. And so it was me, Matt Brock, Brock's dad, Ken, who I've known my entire life, father figure type, wonderful dude, um, a guy named Eric Kirkland, he is the life of the party. If you are at a party and he's there, your party is better because he's there. Fantastic dude. And then, I didn't know this to the very end, we were crammed in this car. That was, you know, that sucked. But Gerald Riggs Jr. Now, I've been around Gerald Riggs Jr., three-year starter for Tennessee, had a little bit of practice squad uh, experience in the NFL. Of course, his father's a legendary Atlanta Falcon NFL uh, running back, uh, Gerald Riggs Sr. I've been around Gerald eight, 15 to 18 times, probably in the last 20 years. and But we don't know each other. He doesn't know me, and I. but I know exactly, obviously, clearly, exactly who he is. And so this is a car full of alphas, right? And I'm not really an alpha dog. Uh, I can be. I, I, can, I can flip that switch, but generally I'm not. And uh, the stories from from Riggs were equal parts fascinating and equal parts like a big eye roll. And I don't mean this in any kind of disrespectful way because I was asking him questions. I was fueling, uh, you know, when you got a small car of people making small talk for an hour and you got one guy kind of dominating it, but it's somewhat interesting I was fueling some of that fire. So if I didn't want to hear more, I, sh- I, you know, I just don't need to talk anymore. Lots of talk about, you know, what it was like when he was playing and when he would go to LSU and then when they were on the road and his time with Philip Fulmer. And, and generally, this is all pretty interesting stuff, except for he kind of talks like a sports talk host because he's done that a lot. And um, I guess maybe I do too. I'm sure I probably do too a little bit. And so that's where the eye roll part comes in, you know, a little bit. And, you know, the story is not much better than that um, or more interesting than that. But I, luckily, that was a short drive because we were sardined in there. I mean, it was crammed in this, uh, in this Cadillac that I had to drive home on the way back, which I knew I was going to be having to do some driving because I figured everybody would be drinking. And this, this wasn't over-the-top drinking, but it certainly was enough that, um, you know, I literally, you know, I joked and they were like, I was trying to get the gear shifter to work on the way back because it's not like a normal poor person car gear shifter. And the joke was, you know, I don't remember what the words were exactly, but it was like, dude, are you, are you sure you can drive? I'm like, yeah, listen, guys, this is literally the nicest car I have ever operated in my effing life. Give me a minute to figure out how it works. I'm fine. I'm just not used to luxurious automobiles. So just chill, all right? All of that was done in jest and in fun. So we get there and we have the, I think it's one of the better decks you're going to have, the G10 deck. It's right next to Circle Park. 
It's right next to the stadium. It's right next to all where where you want to be. And on the third floor of this deck, there was this massive party where I knew two or three people. It was a great tailgate. I mean, there was all ages, college kids, older, middle age, everybody. There's uh, beer drinking game. There's key and beers. There's beer funneling, all this stuff. And uh, I had taken a gummy like I do these days, and my anxiety medication, and a little bitters and soda, and I just said, I'm going on foot. And I took off for a little while, met up with the same people that I was with two years ago at the Volunteer Club, a new setup here that is done by the Collective. I didn't know anything about this. The Collective is the NIL stuff. This is a club that, as a season ticket holder, you can choose to opt in where your money is a donation to the collective so they can buy players and inside is uh, open bar and food. And I was able to go in there for a few minutes and everybody was housed, man. Sloshed. One of the guys who I was with two years ago was throwing up and like a total drunk mess. This was at like 145. So much of this day and night was just me feeling better about myself that I no longer do these kinds of things. Now, I get a little bored easily, as I've talked about before, but this was a uh, a perfect timed out little experiment because often that's what I'm doing. I'm experimenting to see how much I can tolerate before I can't stand this scene anymore. I already don't like the balls. When I went to my works uh, tailgate at Circle Park, the Cherokee Distributing uh, Gathering, which is barbecue food and all the twisted tea and White Claw and Miller Lite and Coors Light you can drink, I showed up for a minute to say hi, and one of the guys who I've worked with forever, he had been he was drinking and drunk, and I had my Vols shirt on, and he lit me up, lit me up. He's like, look at this son of a blah, blah, bleep, bleep. This guy hates Tennessee. He hates the Vols. He's been, I mean, it's, I'm almost, I'm almost quoting him. He's like, this guy's been telling me that how much he hates this team for two decades. And look at his shirt. <laughs> I was just like, dude, pipe down, pipe down. And then it was like, love you, man. Thanks for coming. It was great. It was great. It was fun. And then I met back up with, uh, or no, I didn't. No, at this point, I've lost everybody. So I just go in to the stadium, and I, I, I'm. This is the part I'm dreading. I think it's going to be awful because of my past experience. Well, of course it's not. Not from Matt Brock. We he doesn't have crappy tickets. Twenty seat twenty in the middle of a forty seat row of a seventy five row section in the middle of nowhere. There's 90,000 seats in that stadium that are absolutely god-awful. And he had me in one of the best seats of a major football event I have ever been. I was seven rows off the Georgia bench. It felt like two rows because the rows are so damn small. Everything's so small. And it was a fascinating viewpoint. That handoff to the uh, running back for the Vols, the opening play for that touchdown that had the place in a frenzy, that handoff took place right in front of us. When I say us, I was sitting with his paralegal, uh, Kayla, I'm sorry, Kaylee or Kayla, Georgia fan, nice nice lady, pretty lady. It was fun. We chatted. It was good. And um, 
just it was just so much fun. It was it was it was fascinating to watch the sideline at just a slight elevated view. I was watching Kirby Smart for most of the game. I, I was I didn't care what was happening on the field. I was watching Kirby. I was watching the lot the changes from offense to defense to special teams. I was watching him talk to the the bench players. This is stuff you see on TV every now and again. It's just throwaway footage as you watch a game in a backyard or at a friend's house or, or at your house or whatever. But to be that close and to see really one of the best of a generation work, that was that was fun. I mean, call me weird if you want. The, go to a football game and just watch a coach work is the most fascinating part of it to me. I loved it. I stayed until the third quarter it was getting cold. This is close to the student section. All the kids are drunker than hell. Uh, I walked by one girl dressed very skimpy. I mean, if it's August, it's fine, but it's getting pretty damn chilly, and she's hovering over a garbage can, hurling in, in, into it. Um, found a Dunkin' Donuts and got myself a coffee and just waited to be told, hey, we're leaving. But real quick as I wrap up the show. After the first quarter, this is a terrible look for Tennessee, and I don't think they got the hate that they deserve for this. Uh, I'll just play this real quick. I spliced this together real fast. After the first quarter, they brought Dolly Parton out, escorted by Peyton Manning. So everybody's losing their their you, you know what, and that's fine. That that's warranted. I like Dolly Parton. It right now the super trendy thing is is to love Dolly, and and because there's no reason not to. But he escorts her out, and I hate the Mannings. I can't stand the damn Mannings. But the audio in the building is not working. You cannot hear, or it's not working well. You cannot hear anything being said. She's coming out to sing Rocky Top between quarters. And they have this little catwalk they run out there. And you see the guy fidgeting with the monitor, like the monitor that the, it's basically a speaker that faces back at you so you can hear yourself, and that would be connected to her earpieces. And then there was a monitor, like a screen, like a computer screen, that I'm assuming was going to have the lyrics on it. Sorry, she's 70-something years old, 77 years old. The lyrics would probably help. And it was clear none of this stuff was working. And it was a complete wreck. And all of us, all the Georgia fans I was with, too, they were like, oh, my God, Dolly. And they're taking pictures and everything else. And it was awful. And here's just a quick uh, clip from it. And I was like, Dolly deserves better than this. Two Tennessee legends took the stage at the end of the quarter. Peyton Manning escorting Dolly Parton. This is as good as it sounded. And it's still terrible. Well, it was great, only I couldn't hear because my sound went out and the stadium was so loud. I couldn't even hear it to sing Rocky Top, but I, I was so honored to be here. And I love Peyton and I love the crowd, so it's just good to be home always. Yeah, it was, uh, it, what they should have done was made this a halftime thing and instead of the band and had her come out and sing Rocky Top and 9 to 5 and I Will Always Love You or whatever. And make it a, a, a big stage with a real sound system with her earpieces so she could have heard. It was awful. She looked visibly frustrated. And it, I just think it was a bad look for the school. And it's on national TV. Why are you taking so much time between quarters? Do that at halftime. But anyway, all that to be said, then we get back. We eventually, you know... It's like trying to get all the, you know, getting all the drunks together. All right, pile back in the car. 
and we're off. And by 9.30, I'm back at home. Take another gummy, have a bitters and soda, watch some Big Bang Theory or whatever, and crash out early and then get up and watch a Titans get their ass kicked on Sunday. But it was a wonderful weekend. Thank you to Matt Brock and Gerald Riggs Jr. and Eric Kirkland and Ken Sundance uh, Brock and uh, everybody from the tailgate at G10, at Cherokee Distributing, the Hatchers at the Volunteer Club. It was, it was awesome. It was absolutely great. I loved it. And um, I wouldn't go back again for at least a minimum of one year, but I would say it's probably closer to two years before I will head back to Rocky Top. And yes, I wore orange. I was a poser. I said it out loud when I got there. I'm a poser, everybody. I'm just trying to fit in. Matt would not let me in the car if I didn't have a damn Tennessee shirt on. I went to Walmart the night before and bought it for 20 bucks. It's a pretty damn nice looking shirt, 20 bucks. No, I don't own anything orange. I don't wear balls gear, ever, except for that day. And yes, that does indeed make me a poser. All right, that's it. I'm uh, running late as always. We'll do it again next Wednesday. And then uh, some Wednesdays in December as well. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I love you. Mean it. See you later. Bye. Rocking hot today.